Join us as we explore timeless wisdom from around the world, seeking truths that resonate most for each individual. Welcome to Peace on Your Journey podcast. I'm John Lawyer, a former soldier turned spiritual traveler. At Kishar, we celebrate the journey of discovery together, delving into various religious, spiritual, and philosophical traditions. For a deeper dive into spirituality, join our vibrant online community at kishar.org. If you'd like to experience this production with dynamic art and video content, check out our YouTube channel at Peace on Your Journey. Let's get metaphysical. We're going to talk about the book Averroes and the Metaphysics of Causation by Barry Kogan. Causation is a fundamental concept that refers to the relationship between causes and effects. We're talking about the principle that everything that happens or exists is the result of a specific set of conditions or events that happened before. It's a key concept to understanding how and why changes occur in the world around us. It's really important. For example, when I say the rain caused the street to get wet, I'm describing a cause and effect relationship where the rain, which is the cause, results in the street being wet, which is the effect. You may also think of the butterfly effect in terms of cause and effect. So small changes in a complex system can lead to significant and unpredictable consequences. So if a butterfly flaps its wings in China, we might end up with a hurricane in Miami. That's just one small example, or maybe that's a big example. So think about the series of events that led to you being here in the universe and on this planet. There's all these complex things that happened that led to you being born. Your ancestors had to survive for thousands of years and the smallest changes here or there, and you never would have existed. You're quite literally this walking miracle of existence, which completely goes back into cause and effect. And if you're looking at philosophy, science, everyday life, understanding causation helps us explain the connections and sequences of events that shape our reality. It might seem like a smaller subject at first, but when you really start to consider it more deeply, you realize it actually goes to the core of everything behind philosophy, religion, spirituality, science, and metaphysics, because it gets into following causes and effects all the way back, back to the very beginning of everything. We're talking about the creation, the Big Bang, the start of reality, and the universe as we know it. So the subject of the book, who is Averroes? This is a guy who was a philosopher and theologian during the Islamic Golden Age. He was Andalusian and spent most of his time on the Iberian Peninsula. This was an amazing place because it had the confluences of Islamic, Christian, and Jewish scholars all in one place. And they were actually able to peacefully coexist for a, a fairly long period of time there. And so there were all these great libraries and centers of learning that contributed to this really great thought. And it was truly a gift to the world and humankind. We probably wouldn't be where we are today if this hadn't existed back then in this place and during the, the golden age of Islam. And Averroes was this massively influential philosopher because he was in large part responsible for resurrecting Aristotelian philosophy. And what I mean by that, as hard as it is to believe, the teachings of Aristotle had largely been lost to Western thought. That's kind of a crazy thing to think about. And so we owe Averroes a great debt for helping this resurrection. 
And his westernized name is Averroes. That's what we they called him in Latin. But his actual name is Ibn Rushd. And he was also important because he strongly argued for philosophy as a legitimate pursuit within Islamic scholarship. And he was far more than just a philosopher theologian. He was also a polymath, which basically just means that he was a person of many educational pursuits. He wrote about medicine, astronomy, physics, psychology, mathematics, law, and linguistics. I mean, this guy studied everything and he wrote about everything. His book on medicine was used as a textbook in Europe for centuries after his death. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and somehow we ended up talking about the golden age of Islam. It got me to thinking about the philosophy collection of books that I had on my shelf because this collection's arranged by birth date of the philosopher. So it's kind of like they're in chronological order. And I was looking at the shelf and I realized that there were four great Islamic thinkers in a row without anything in between. And so you had Avicenna, or Ibn Sina is his, his Islamic name, Al-Farabi, Al-Ghazali, and Averroes, who's the subject of our book today. So it dawned on me just how dominant Islamic Golden Age was in terms of historic human thought, that there were four philosophers in a row that were all Islamic without anybody in between. And that's out of, I think, 140 or so books that I have on philosophy. So it just shows that period and how important it was in human history. This work is put together by Barry Kogan, and it's heavy on his commentary and analysis with a little bit less original source material than some editions. But I think sometimes when you're teaching yourself something like philosophy, it helps to have a teacher that kind of teaches you to teach yourself so that you're able to learn better. And I think a little hand-holding is this really helpful thing because you know this is a fairly technical work on causation here. And it also offers a solid background on Averroes as a man. And it continues with introduction to his core philosophy. The way this book is structured, it has Kogan putting Averroesian thought up in contrast to uh, Avicenna and Al-Farabi, who are kind of more in line with how he was thinking, but it also contrasts his work with that of Al-Ghazali, uh, who was also you know, a philosopher and theologian. Um, but he was a much more of a theologian compared to the others, and he was seen as kind of a fundamentalist. And it's pretty clear that Averroes didn't care too much for Al-Ghazali and his thought, and I suspect Averroes knew exactly what he was doing by kind of at times slapping down Al-Ghazali in his arguments and propping up Aristotle and the ancient philosophers. It feels like it was a stand against theocracy and fundamentalism. And I think that's probably a very modern view that I have because obviously this is hundreds of years later and it's probably more nuanced than that. But I think the point here is that we get a comparison of cause and effect as seen by all four of these great Islamic Golden Age philosophers. This book goes really deep. Given the sometimes highly technical nature of the work, I got lost sometimes. It wasn't so bad that I couldn't find my way back to the point. And I think sometimes the best way to get to know various metaphysical subjects is just to kind of dive in and read, even if you don't quite understand everything as you're reading it. Cause and effect may be seen again, like we were talking about earlier, at first glance, is this mundane subject. But really, it's this quite interesting thing once you dig into it. You have to consider 
the cause and effect on the creation of the universe or even ponder the fact that whether it was created or whether the universe just always existed. I mean, I think that's a huge question. And you have to consider the divine in all of this and in its position in the creation or non-creation of the universe. When I say non-creation, I mean that the idea that the divine would have always been in existence. And if you dig deeper into cause and effect, you start to unravel some critical questions about reality itself. And that really interests me. I'm always interested uh, in everything about reality and how our perception of reality, our interaction with reality can take us back to the divine. And I think that when I say divine, I'm talking about that universal connection to our true self or that base consciousness that you may call the Brahman or nature, Christ consciousness, you know, that, that self with a capital S. There's all kinds of things that it can be called. It has many names. And it often goes back to the question of the divine. As you read almost any philosophy throughout human history, you'll find that the author or the source address the divine, sometimes advocating for the presence of God or sometimes the complete absence of God. But even in the absence of God, there may still be something divine, something universal. That's also an argument. So God and the divine pervade our thought. Even in the negative or the argument for no divine, we still see the thought itself presenting itself consistently of does it or doesn't it exist. And with Averroes and the great Islamic thinkers, we're dealing with an Abrahamic God. And all four of those philosophers see God in our world and in our absolute reality and in our creation or origin or all that has ever been. They definitely see that Abrahamic God. And before we move on here, uh, just take a minute to subscribe by hitting the watermark in the lower right hand corner. And if you think this video might be helpful to friends or family, please share it with them. We end up having to look past the dogma. And when we're talking about the divine or the Abrahamic God or, or some sentient human-like God, I think we have to look at dogma and what it, it means to the philosophy that we're reading, to the, the religious documents or, or, or theological documents that we're reading. And these Islamic Golden Age philosophers had this adherence to the Abrahamic God. And that's significant because as I've read all of these historic philosophical texts, I see these dogmatic principles really impede deeper metaphysical thought. It keeps these philosophers from bringing forth simple metaphysical possibilities or even probabilities that they could outline as logical truths concerning maybe this esoteric divine. Basically, they have kind of a theological system that's handcuffing them, keeping them in these boundaries that prevent them from fully elaborating their ideas. We get bogged down in the trappings of human influence religion. And reading this book, you could almost feel Averroes was trying to tell us something, but he couldn't because he was in those handcuffs that existed back in his time. So we lose out on what would have been richer thinking from these great thinkers. And that means we have to look at their work and look in between and around what they're saying to sometimes arrive at what their point probably was in all actuality. Some might say, well, you can't do that. But this is philosophy. 
So we can really do whatever we want because philosophy is just like that. And your own spiritual beliefs, your own core beliefs, your, your values and how you see the universe is deeply personal to you. So you can make it whatever you want to make it. And for me, like a bolt of lightning, uh, my greatest takeaway from this work was the thought that I developed that kind of struck me. It was that the divine being or divine consciousness enable our own individual consciousness to create and manipulate our own reality. It gives us everything and it actually fundamentally is everything without it, no action or cause and therefore effect is possible. And maybe that seems like a simple conclusion, but there was a lot of pages that, that had to get me to that point. And I actually explained this theory of how we create our own reality from our consciousness, which I believe is linked back into that universal consciousness in a video about these reality bubbles that, that are formed because they're formed around our consciousness, our reality. So if you're interested in that, please click the card link in the video here and you can learn more about it. And as we're talking about our reality, that connection back to the universal consciousness, think about the connection to the divine, the connection to the universe or that core self we were talking about earlier or any of those other names that we discuss. It's really important. The, the further we get away from our true nature and that, that core universal self, the cloudier our reality is going to become. The more we slow down and we atrophy because we're getting away from who we were meant to be. So our own reality dims as we become beholden to this dominion of the collective consciousness and this collective reality. So you can just get lost in this thing that pulls you away. And if you watch any of our other videos, you'll hear me talk about this stream of unconsciousness. And that's where we're talking about the pull of society that takes you away from your true self. And your true self is where you're meant to be. That's who you are. It's where the joy and beauty of life is. So always just think about where you're at and, and where you're going and, and think about everything around you and, and how it's formed and, and make sure that it's your beliefs, your values, your idea about what your reality is. Don't let anyone else tell you that. Don't even let me tell you that here in the video. You just decide for yourself. And ponder this quote from the book. I think this was really beautiful. The existence of the world always has been and always will be linked together with non-existence, as is the case with movement, which is always in need of a mover. And I think that quote really delves into cause and effect. What moves what? What happens when? That, that's what this book continually gets into. And I think the why matters. This book may be summed up simply as the why matters a lot. You probably understand this, right? Like, you always ask that question, why, when you're a kid. And I didn't stop asking it. When I was in the Army, an officer would come into my office and ask me to prepare something for the general, some kind of briefing or assessment or whatever it was. And I would always ask the officer, the captain, you know, why? And get really mad at me and tell me to just do it. Like, okay, lawyer, just do it. And I'd tell him, I'd say, if I knew why the general wanted it, I'd be able to put together some kind of product that truly answered what the general was looking for. 
So the why really did matter. The why does matter. And I think this book really gets into the core of that. One of the themes I kept picking up on as I read this is that change is absolute. And I don't really subscribe to absolutes as a rule, but I do make an exception for change because the universe is always changing. We are always changing. Life is always changing because the universe is always in motion. This cause and effect have their fingerprints all over change. Change is cause and effect, and it's so present that it's always swirling around us. It's some kind of peaceful chaos, if you will. And we can choose to see it as either peaceful or chaos. So why not see the peace in it? If you embrace change, if you accept change, and I think acceptance is this deep thing. So if you accept change, then it's this very freeing thing for you. Causation in the human realm also seems to come down sometimes to free will versus the domain of the divine. But I'm not sure that these have to be mutually exclusive. What if the universe is just passively kind of doing its thing and we're destined to have to choose a particular cause or effect? We're talking about actions here. I don't think we have to get an answer to this right now, but it's definitely discussed in this book. And I tend to think that we can have free will, but maybe also have a universal destiny. I think we can find great truths at these fault lines of contradictions. And I, I would, I always come back to that. I always kind of ponder it. And I think it's worth going back to and, and thinking about. Have you ever thought about how we define things? Averroes sees definitions as potentially limiting and cumbersome. But he also recognized their importance in having a dialogue. You can't really have a conversation if there's not some definition to the words that you use. And I, I've thought about this quite a bit. And the longer you think about it, I think we also think about the fallibility of words. Just ask someone to define spirituality. That's a very different word to different people. And, or ask them to define consciousness. That's also something that is almost ineffable and, or, or indefinable. I mean, you can't necessarily put your finger on it. And so I think that shows us how difficult definitions are sometimes. That takes me back to reality a little bit. And as I was reading through this, sometimes mind-numbing arguments on the metaphysics of cause and effect, it really highlighted for me the fluid and kind of messed up nature of our reality and the universe. And that maybe all these different philosophers are right. Like objectively, they probably all are right because they're seeing it from different perspectives. And I think when you see something from a different perspective, maybe you have a different universal truth of something. I really did appreciate Averroes and much like him, I didn't always care for what Al Ghazali was putting forth, which was also talked about some in this book along with what Averroes was saying. And I think Al Ghazali may have been onto something about reality being utterly bendable to the divine. And I don't think that was God necessarily as Godly saw it, but I'm talking about the universe. Maybe even our self or super consciousness can bend reality. And there's a lot to be said about reality being whatever the divine shows it as. So if a human enlightened to the divine within, again, that capital S self inside, your super consciousness, your whatever you want to call it again, then if a human's enlightened with that, then we have that inside of us. Then this human may see anything that reality has to offer, which would necessarily be almost infinite. That's a pretty big concept. I don't, I don't know 
if I can go much more into it, but I think that's something big to explore. And I think I respect what Al-Ghazali is getting at, that ultimately reality is what the divine says it is. And if we're connected into the divine, then we can help define our reality. But either way, I, I think there is this elegant overlap between Averroes, Farabi, Avicenna, and Al-Ghazali. And I think that this elegant overlap might have been Averroes' point after all, that they're saying different things, they're saying it in different ways, but maybe they're in agreement about some very core truths of the universe. Have you ever thought about cause and effect like this, that it might go back to the very beginning of everything, that it shapes our existence and our reality? Let me know in the comments what you think about all of this, and I will definitely respond to you. We're a peaceful community where people can share their journeys, uh, be themselves, and every day we have conversations about subjects just like this. Visit Keyshar.org. And please like this video if you want us to keep making content just like this. And until next time, I wish you peace on your journey.